The Liberals are not connecting with Canadians, and Justin Trudeau is no longer an appealing option to most Canadians. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, and welcome to The Candace Malcolm Show. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. The Liberals are not looking good in the polls. Poll after poll after poll is giving us hints and giving us signs that the Liberals are just not where they were in 2019. They're not appealing to Canadians after a year and a half of long lockdowns. And Trudeau, just really every appearance on this campaign, he's just looking more and more desperate, frankly, more and more unhinged. The Liberals finally unleashed their policy platform on Wednesday, which again showed more and more signs of desperation, we saw another huge bailout going to the CBC. On top of the $1.2 billion the Liberals give the organization, that state broadcaster, annually, we're going to see another $400 million, $400 million taxpayer dollars going to the CBC. To me, that's a sign of desperation. We know that there is no end to the new spending, no end to deficits. Again, it could be 50 years before the Liberals were able to balance the budget, and it is just not good news for Canadians, and I think that is being reflected into the polls. But I want to bring in Hamish Marshall, True North's in-host pollster, to help us make sense of the recent polls and the recent data. Hamish, thanks so much for joining the program. Pleasure to be here, Candace. So from my perspective, it looks like the Conservatives are really running away with this election. There was that mainstream poll that found them up by 10 points. There was that Hill Times article that talked about how the Liberal reception at the door is a lot worse than it was in 2019 for Liberal candidates and volunteers. There was another poll that found that two out of five, so around 40% of Canadians say they really dislike Justin Trudeau, not moderately, but really dislike him. And then that latest poll today showing that up to three quarters of Canadians are not likely to vote for Trudeau. So can you you help us um, understand, are the Conservatives running away with this campaign or is it still pretty close. I, I think it's still pretty close. The, uh, there, there's been a general tightening in the polls. Uh, Main Street, yes, had the Conservatives nine and a half, ten points ahead. That's now come down to a five-point lead. Um, some of the other pollsters that don't collect their data using uh, demon dials uh, are generally finding a much closer race. The Conservatives may be ahead by one or two, uh, maybe three points at most. Um, some people still have the Liberals ahead by a point. I think we're in, a, I think we're in an election where which party is up by one and a half or two points, hard to tell right now. Conservatives seem to have a slight edge, but it's only a slight edge. But I think you're right to point out that Trudeau's personal numbers are down. That's pretty consistent across the board, is that Trudeau's personal numbers are down, and they're much, much worse than they've, than they've been at any point since uh, since before he became prime minister. Uh, so that is definitely the challenge, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons why those liberal candidates are having a much harder time at the door, that Justin Trudeau is not the asset he once was to them. Interesting. How, how much of that do you think is the fact that we're in this pandemic election that Canadians don't really seem to want to be in? Well, that, I mean, that's an extremely good question. I think that was certainly true in, in the first part of the campaign. The further we get away from the original election call, that's likely to dissipate uh, as a reason. But if once people, what we've I've found in the past doing research is once people dislike find a reason to dislike Justin Trudeau, they don't kind of come back to him. Once they're once they're turned off by him, they turn off. So whether that's still the motivating issue uh, when the polls uh, close in a couple of weeks, will hard to, hard to say, but I don't think those people who've now decided that they don't like him are suddenly gonna fall in love again. Right, exactly. 
All right. Well, the Liberals unleashed their platform on Wednesday. What we saw was a lot of new spending. So in total, the Liberal document includes $13 billion in new fiscal uh, in new spending in the fiscal year, totaling $78 billion new spending in the next five years. The platform's divided into six categories that sort of echo what Trudeau has been talking about in the campaign. So that's the pandemic, housing, healthcare, the economy, climate change, and reconciliation. I want to note that there is nothing in this platform about balancing the budget. Uh, Trudeau, it looks like the deficit would be somewhere around $350 billion. No doubt that that is part of the reason why the debt is now over a trillion dollars and probably going to be much, much more. And there was that parliamentary budget office uh, projection that showed us that the the Liberals probably won't balance the budget until 2070. So not a lot of fiscal restraint, but this is an election. So, you know, they're not here to uh, show us how responsible they are. They're here to show us all the things they're going to spend money on and all the goodies. So how do you think this uh, platform is going to play? And and do you think it's going to help the Liberals uh, in the polls? I think it's a platform that's designed around the idea of, of causing trouble for the Conservatives. I think if the uh, election, you know, was going better for the Liberals, if they were eight or 10 points ahead, we would have gotten a different platform. Uh, this is a platform designed to cause trouble for Aaron O'Toole uh, and to make him talk about things he doesn't want to talk about. And I think there's two different things what they've done. One is they've announced that they're going to... Uh, um, bring in some rules around abortion. Of course, in Canada, we don't have an abortion law, so they're going to bring in some regulations around that. They'll have impacts on provinces and, and, and they have a regulation within the Canada Health Act, uh, which therefore becomes uh, something that O'Toole then has to figure out if he's for or against and how that will go over uh, with his party. Uh, so that's definitely a trap uh, for them. Uh, they also say they're going to uh, take away the char- charitable tax status crisis pregnancy centers that uh, put out uh, what they described as false or misleading information about abortion. No idea what those criteria will be, but this is clearly also uh, designed to try to provoke uh, conservative uh, pro-life organizations uh, and and to put O'Toole in a difficult situation. Um, The other trap they've done is around uh, their spending, because while uh, they have no plans to balance the budget, and I'm sure if it was a 50-year time frame to balance the budget uh, based on the last, uh, um, this year's budget, after this platform, that's going to be even longer. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that they now have a costed platform that's being costed, and the, the Conservatives have not released the costing of their platform. And after a couple of weeks of the Conservatives saying, we want to see Trudeau's platform, we want to see Trudeau's platform, the shoe's now on the other foot. And O'Toole is now having to defend uh, costing of his platform that he doesn't have yet. We don't know when it's going to be released, uh, but the liberals have are, are trying to flip the script on that. Um, so that's what I that's what I see in this platform is it's designed in a way to uh, to cause trouble uh, for O'Toole. Um, we'll see how successful that is. But as a as a result of this close election that they weren't expecting, I'm pretty sure they were up some pretty late nights the last 10 days desperately rewriting their platform. Well, absolutely. And that, that's sort of what happens when the Conservatives release their platform very early and sort of left it open uh, for the Liberals. I, I think that Aaron O'Toole has been incredibly disciplined. I'll just say that. Like, I know you know, you're talking about the trap of abortion and those uh, policies sound just absolutely abhorrent, especially given the idea that the Liberals would get to define again uh, what criteria charity must meet. I mean, they kind of got into that trouble with the Canada Summer Jobs Program and had to eventually walk that back. But you know, if, if it was another conservative leader, I, I can't imagine that they would have done 
uh, what Aaron O'Toole did was kind of kind of mirroring the liberals when it comes to mandatory vaccines. I, I didn't see a conservative going along with that. I, I don't like the idea of it. But again, if this is just about winning elections, I, I think that Aaron O'Toole has has been disciplined on so many issues um, that certainly uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to keep my mouth shut on. So, uh, you know, good, good for him in that regard. And I believe that they're budget is now but before the PBO, the Parliamentary Budget Officer, to get costed. So uh, ho- hopefully that will, will come out uh, soon. Hamish, you put together a really great product for us at True North, uh, looking at the writings to watch, um, uh, understanding you know where where this campaign is being fought on, on the local level. I encourage everyone to head on over to tnc.news to check that out. Uh, we, we went through a couple of the writings to watch in the last show, but I wanted to keep going with this because there's so many interesting seats out there. So let's let's talk about some of the ones that let's talk about one of the seats that the Liberals absolutely need to win in order to win this election. This is an Ontario uh, seat, Northumberland, Peterborough South. Why don't you tell us a bit about this riding? Sure. So it's a chunk of uh, rural and and small town Ontario uh, east of Toronto. Traditionally, it's been very rural, but it's it's growing and it's sort of becoming on the edge of the commuter belt. There's more people who are commuting in. And then on, because of, of uh, COVID, there's people who did live in Toronto who maybe have bought houses out there. It's obviously much more affordable. Uh, so it, it's been a, a swing conservative liberal uh, area for a long time. Generally, when the conservatives do well, they win the seat. Um, uh, it was a pickup in the last election. The conservative uh, MP Philip Lawrence uh, won it by three and a half percent. So uh, obviously it's not a huge win uh, and the Liberals need to win it back. Liberals don't have a path to victory without going through a, a seat like this. Um, you know, it's, it's as I said, it's becoming more white collar. It, sh- it should be becoming a little bit more liberal. So we'll see, it's, you know, in the long term, that's what makes it more difficult for the Conservatives. But in this election, they can hold on. Uh, liberals are running a, a, a local lawyer called Allison Lester very local person with a good local story. So uh, it's going to be a bit of a battle, but if the conservatives can hang on here, they're going to be on for uh, on, looking for a good night. Uh, if the liberals can snatch it back, uh, they're going to be uh, picking up seats, broadly speaking. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's move on to the next one. This is one that the Tories would need to win. Interesting because I don't think of Eastern Canada really at play at all. But uh, when you look at the numbers, some of them are quite close. This one's uh, Miramichi uh, out in New Brunswick. And interestingly, my colleague Andrew Lawton was on tour with the uh, O'Toole uh, campaign as a journalist. And he caught up with Lisa Raitt, the former MP who's out in uh, Nova Scotia. But she, she, she talked about how she thinks that uh, more and more of Atlantic Canada is at play. So let, let's talk about this uh, this riding in New Brunswick. Well I, well, I agree in general that Atlantic Canada has not been a bastion of support for Conservatives. Uh, New Brunswick is, is generally the most conservative of those provinces. The Conservatives won three seats there last time and they lost Miramichi by, by only 400 votes. So it's very, very, very tight. What's also interesting is the Liberal MP uh, who'd won it in 2015 and then won again in 2019 isn't running again. Uh, and it's a, it's a fascinating battle because who we have running is the Liberals are running one of the MLAs for the area, a Liberal uh, MLA called Lisa Harris. The Conservatives are running one of the other MLAs for the area, a Conservative MLA called Jake Skinner. They've both been in cabinets, uh, you know, uh, Harris and the previous Liberal uh, government and uh, Jake Skinner in the, in the, in the current uh, Conservative government, although he's obviously had to step down to run, run federally. Uh, so it's two people with a strong local electoral record who both accomplished in terms of being in cabinet uh, at the provincial levels. They've both got name recognition, um, and it's going to be it's going to be another tight fight. And Miramichi is a a place in the country that often bucks trends. Uh, it's an area that uh, that sometimes conservatives do well there when they're not doing as well nationally, and liberals can can do well. It's sort of its own place. And what's even more interesting there is it's one of the it's one of the seats where the, the PPC could be argued 
uh, cost the Conservatives a seat last time. So the, the Conservatives lost by less than 400 votes. The PPC took uh, over 1,000 votes. Nobody thinks that all PPC votes came from the Conservatives in 2019, but most people would say that somewhere in 60, 70% did. So in this, if there had been no PPC candidate, the Conservatives probably would have won it. Um, so we'll see what happens this time. Uh, must win for the Conservatives. Uh, if the Conservatives can't win this seat, uh, they're not going to have a very good night across New Brunswick, much less Atlantic Canada. Interesting. Well, well, speaking of the PPC, and I know a lot of our supporters have left the Conservative Party and they've gone over to the PPC. Uh, like, like you said, not all voters for the PPC came from the Conservatives, but I, th- I think that a lot of, uh, you know, especially given how moderate uh, this leader has become, a lot of them are looking over to the PPC. So let, let, let's talk about the probably the most important riding in the country uh, for Maxime Bernier and his party, which is uh, Bernier's home home seat, home riding in Beauce. Uh does does Bernier have a, have a shot in this riding, Hamish? Well, you know, it's it's gonna it's it's another uh, boast battle, right? And, and the Conservatives MP who beat Bernier last time is a gentleman called Richard Lahou. Uh, Richard Lahou is a uh, consummate local politician. He was a mayor of one of the municipalities there for a very long time. He was the head of uh, the MRC, which is sort of the equivalent of a county in Quebec. He was the head of that county. He went on to become actually the head of the of, of the Rural Municipal uh, Association of, of Association of Municipalities in Quebec. Uh, absolute like uh, sort of local, uh, local, local guy uh, and was really able to win uh, last time on his local credibility, but also um, pushing uh, Maxime Bernier making a point of fact that Maxime Bernier was out uh, campaigning around the country and wasn't being able to give the time to Bose. And he ended up winning by about 10 points. But this is make, make, make or break uh, for Bernier. Um, he's got to do He's got to do well. He's got to win this seat. After not winning a seat, especially his seat for two elections in a row, the future of the PPC is hard, hard to figure out what it would look like. Uh, it would certainly become much more of a fringe party, I think, and it would no longer get the coverage by the media after failing to win an election for two seats or win a seat for two elections. The other interesting thing is that as um, uh, the CAQ government uh, in Quebec begins to double down and be even more restrictive, their, their vaccine passport on apps is, is now uh, in play or in force. Um, we're seeing a pushback in Quebec. Obviously, we've seen um, some big, big protests in Montreal about this. Uh, and then uh, I know that the Quebec Conservative Party, uh, uh, which is uh, run by Eric Duhem, which is fighting against all these things, is gaining members like crazy. Uh, and the Bose is one of those areas that's going to be very uh, uh, interested in those ideas. It's, it's, it's been argued it's the most freedom-loving area of Quebec. So if there is going to be pushback against the consensus around um, vaccine passports and everything else uh, with Maxime Bernier in the Bose, you know, counting him out would be a big, big mistake. Uh, But losing by 10 points is going to be a tough hill to climb. Interesting. That's that's definitely one that I'm going to be watching very closely on election night. All right, let's let's go over to the NDP side because we've talked about it before. The jug meet seems to be uh, catching on uh, to some conservatives, and uh, I'll I'll just let the viewers know uh, this this next riding is where my parents live, Burnaby North Seymour. And Hamish and I were chatting a little bit because uh, we're both from the North Shore, and the North Shore has uh, the North Shore of Vancouver. We've uh, seen the ridings sort of broken up, and this is an interesting one because the North Van part of this riding. North Seymour is quite different than the Burnaby part across the river there. So uh, why don't you help us uh, understand how this riding is at play? Sure. So it, it, as you would correctly say, Candice, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very sort of uh, uh, odd riding, and it's got two very di- distinctly different parts. Seymour part is entirely residential, 
uh, uh, older, uh, very you know, high income, uh, beautiful, big, 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 beautiful homes, um, uh, predominantly uh, uh, Caucasian uh, on, this, on the, the North Burnaby side. It's uh, much more Chinese Canadian, uh, smaller homes. There are some very nice areas in Capitol Hill, but generally definitely lower income, uh, large commercial strip down Hastings Street. Um, so it's two very, very different parts uh, of, of lower mainland. And what it does is it combines the Seymour part, which has traditionally had a, uh, a strong liberal conservative bent with the uh, North Burnaby part, which has traditionally had uh, a strong, so fairly strong conservative history, but also more predominantly a strong NDP history. And because of a variety of things that happened in the last election, uh, the conservatives are not are, 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 are sort of fairly far, uh, far back in this seat. Uh, and the NDP is pushing strongly. And what's fascinating is this, the NDP, knowing their strength is in the Burnaby part, went and recruited uh, a, a North Vancouver city councillor called Jim Hansen. So he's a, a well-known councillor, been around for a while, representing that Seymour part, their weak part of the riding. So they're bringing someone with their most lo local credibility against that. Uh, whereas Liberals are still running Terry Beach, the local MP, who is again a North Shore person. So there isn't a Burnaby candidate in the race. They're obviously hoping the NDP will be able, the NDP will hope that those votes will stick with them. Um, they only lost by three and a half percent last time. Ironically, it's actually because of the NDP's own actions that they probably lost. The uh, the conservative candidate there last time ultimately was removed from the conservative party because of uh, her unwillingness to retract some, uh, some, uh, some comments about uh, gay and lesbian people. And uh, that was pushed by the NDP candidate, pushing for her. Whereas if she'd been on the ballot, uh, the Conservatives probably would have done better and some of those votes probably would have would have gone Conservative instead of gone Liberal and the NDP probably would have won. So it's an NDP seat. It, it, it's right next to Jagmeet Singh's seat. This is the sort of seat they've got to win. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch an election night. Uh, and I'd point out that even though the North the North Vancouver part does not have a long NDP history, you know, it, it they did elect an NDP MLA in the last provincial election. Wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that, but I, I do remember the um, the conservative candidate getting kicked out, and it was what, not very long before the election. So I don't think they had time to replace the candidate, and therefore I don't believe there was a conservative on the ballot. So perhaps with 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 an actual conservative running, uh, it, it could be even a three race. Well, Hamish, thank you so much. We've got the Labor Day weekend coming up, and. I know that many people, especially liberal strategists, are trying to spin this idea that Canadians aren't really paying attention until Labor Day. And so the election is really going to come down to the final uh, week or so. So uh, we'll definitely have you back on the program next week to help us uh, in the final stretch here. I don't agree with liberals about, uh, about a lot, but I, I do think uh, people, the, this election is really going to be about the last 10 or 12 days. Great. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.